You're listening to the Jefferson Exchange. I'm Angela Decker. Thanks for joining us. We'll start today with the debrief, our roundup of the top stories of the week. JPR News Director Eric Newman and reporters Jane Vaughn and Roman Battaglia gather to discuss some local changes in the state government, the city of Ashland's new restrictions on public camping, and more. Jane, uh, you covered a story this week in Josephine County where the county commissioners picked a new House representative for District 3. Why did they do that? So the previous person who had been in that seat was Republican Lily Morgan, and then she left that position recently. She's going to be the new city manager of Gold Hill. So she actually uh, started earlier this month. And then according to state law, this is how it works to fill that vacancy. So they had the local Republican officials pick five nominees to fill that position. So on Tuesday, the Josephine County Board of Commissioners interviewed those five people. They had a whole bunch of questions. And then yesterday they voted to pick one of them to fill the seat. And they were actually split on their vote two to one. But two of the three commissioners picked Republican Dwayne Yunker. And so he's now going to be the new uh, House representative for that district. Okay, so um, tell me about this new representative, Dwayne Yunker. So he is a a real estate agent. Um, He was also in the military for 21 years. He's retired from that now. He's currently a member of the Grants Pass City Council. He says he's lived in the county for 40 years. He's always been a Republican. And he talked a lot in his interview on Tuesday about how he wants to make sure that local families can still make decisions for themselves. So he feels like the what he calls the Salem-Portland way is being forced upon Josephine County, um, which is more conservative and more independent. Um, He was asked by the commissioners if he would be able to represent everyone in the county if he were chosen, um, because he is uh, so clearly a conservative uh, person. And he said he would would do what's best for the county always, what's best for everyone in the county. Um, He talked about how he's an opponent of drugs and marijuana, and he talked about what a big problem homelessness is in general. Um, He believes very strongly in the right to life. He talked about pro-life policies. And then he also has a political website which talks about his values, which include education choice and accountability, local values, um, individual rights, Second Amendment, personal freedom, all that sort of stuff. Um, So seems um, to believe a lot in in limited government, traditional family, personal responsibility is there as well, and um, also has a blog where he talks about the Bible and Christian principles. So um, those seem to be some some pretty strong values, and those are the things that he said he um, will bring into this new position as well. Okay. Um, So what's next in this process um, of appointing him and then um, for the future of this seat? So the commissioners have to send their selection off to the Secretary of State. That's kind of the final step. But the interesting thing is that this seat is also up for re-election next year. So Yunker had already filed to, to run for that, uh, the primaries in May. But the other nominees, so the four people who weren't chosen on Thursday, could try again. So we'll have to see what happens there. Gotcha. So even though it was essentially only three Board of County Commissioners who were making this choice, it will now go back to the voters um, in the primary election if other people run. Yeah, exactly. Um, Great. Um, So you also covered a story this week about a memorial for homeless people in Reading. Um, Tell me about that. Yeah, so it was a a homeless memorial service, which was held in Reading this week. And as you know, I've been doing some coverage of homelessness recently. 
And so it's been really interesting. Chronic homelessness has increased in far northern California a lot uh, in the past year by about 32%. Um, In January of 2023, the region had about 2,500 homeless people, which is obviously a huge number for seven counties. Uh, And again, that's a 32% increase over the past year. And the problem also is that homeless older adults have a much higher mortality rate than the general population does. So it's three and a half times higher than the the general population. And homeless people also experience accelerated aging and premature onset of various medical conditions and other uh, impairments, cognitive and functional uh, impairments, and then also that that higher mortality rate. So that's kind of the the context that, that they're dealing with in far northern California. And so what happened at this, like specifically at this service um, that was held in Reading? Yeah, so it's run by the Good News Rescue Mission, which is a homeless shelter in Reading. And every year they do this homeless memorial service to honor the homeless people who died in Shasta County within the past year. And that's part of a national uh, advocacy effort. So there are other groups that do this as well. And it's really focused on people who either die uh, while they're homeless, so literally on the streets, or as a direct result of being homeless. So maybe they uh, passed away in the hospital, but it was due to an injury they sustained while they were living on the streets. And so this rescue mission tries to count basically every year the number of people who have passed away. And they don't always, you know, due to medical privacy, they don't always have all the details. Um, But they sometimes have worked with these people or they can get information from other partner organizations. So this year they counted about 40 people who passed away. They know the names of 23 of those people, 17 people, they don't know their names. Um, And that compares to 19 people whose names they knew last year. So that's, you know, similar name 19 last year 23 this year and then basically the goal of the event is just to honor their memory so they read the names aloud for the names they know they get carved into this memorial plaque uh, in the chapel uh, for the rescue mission and there's a moment of silence for the people whose names they don't know so that event happened this week and some of the causes of, of death this year were injuries and lack of adequate medical care. There were some complications from addiction and overdoses. Um, one thing I thought was interesting was that there doesn't seem to be anyone who passed away due to weather-related causes like heat stroke, which I kind of expected because Reading had some really, really hot days this year, but that doesn't seem to be the case from the information they have. Um, and the rescue mission says they have about 150 people staying in their emergency shelter every night. And they also have 50 people a night who are staying in their drug and alcohol recovery program. So it's clearly a a really big problem. And there's a a lot of of need for more support. Well, thank you for following that, um, both of those stories. And we will be back um, in the new year with another debrief. Thanks, Jane. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to turn to JPR reporter Roman Battaglia. Good morning, Roman. Hey there. Um, So, Roman, you covered an Ashland City Council meeting this week that had a very packed agenda. Uh, What were the big topics discussed during the meeting? Yeah, there was so much stuff in this meeting. Um, You know, I guess maybe they're trying to get everything packed in right before the new year. But, you know, specifically, I was looking at the city's approval of these new uh, prohibited camping ordinances. Um, They were passed to basically allow the city to start enforcing its camping ban again. Um, You know, after some court rulings and some state laws, the city's current camping 
camping ban has not been enforceable, so they've kind of been working for months to implement a new ordinance. This is something that cities all across the state have been working on, cities and counties. So Ashland's not, you know, unique for doing this. And, and it ended up, ended up passing four to two by the city council because two of the council members were opposed to some parts of it. Um, and so how are these new camping ordinances different from what Ashland had in place previously? Yeah, there's a few major changes. Um, I think one that's probably the biggest is that, you know, the public property that people are not allowed to camp at is more clearly defined. Um, in the previous law, it used to just say, um, and it still does actually, no person shall camp on any sidewalk, street, alley, lane, public right-of-way, business run, park, playground, or any other publicly owned property. So you can't park, sleep anywhere on any public property in the city. But now there are these special exemptions for that blanket ban. So if the city declares an emergency like a wildfire, disease like coronavirus or another man-made disaster, camping would be allowed. Not necessarily sure how that would work because it does say they would declare a camping exemption due to an emergency. So that might have to be a separate thing. But that's one of the exemptions. And the other one is if someone is involuntarily homeless and shelter space isn't available, you can sleep on public property. But there are still rules to where you can camp that people have to follow. Um, you still can't sleep on sidewalks. You can't sleep in Lithia Park or any other parks with playgrounds. You can't sleep downtown. And then there's also these like buffer zones, 250 feet from schools, homeless shelters, 150 feet from other campsites, away from streams. Um, and so there's you know, a bunch of different like zones where you can actually go and where you can't. And then there's separate rules to allow these involuntarily homeless people to sleep in their cars too. So it sounds like the city is just providing a lot more detail to what their previous camping restrictions were. Yeah, they're, they're kind of like, you know, defining where people can sleep. And then they're also specifically making this distinction between, um, you know, involuntarily homeless people and voluntarily homeless people. Um, so they're basically saying, you know, if you choose to be homeless, you can't camp in Ashland, for example, like if there is shelter space available and someone offers it to you and you turn it down, then you can't sleep on any public property in the city. But if there isn't options, then you can sleep on public property. You just have to follow these other rules. Um, Got it. So they're kind of like trying to make sure that they allow people to sleep in public property enough that they follow these laws. Okay. Much. So what would you say that the the balance that the city is trying to strike is with these regulations? Yeah, I think I think the first thing is that, that they're trying to follow these state laws and these court rulings that say they can't just ban people outright from sleeping because that's in cruel and inhumane. Um, so, but they're also just trying to make sure that campers don't take up public space and public property. They're uh, during this year, there was like a months-long protest by a group of homeless people about mm -hmm. these camping ordinances and stuff in Ashland. They s ended up kind of rotating their camps between this plaza outside the fire department downtown um, in Triangle Park and then outside the city council chambers. So they were kind of taking up a lot of space, and I think that had a lot of people concerned that they were taking up all this public property. And so the city is trying to like strike that balance of – allowing people to stay if there isn't shelter space available and recognizing that, but also making sure that these spaces are free and open to the public and not taken up by tents and campsites.
Got it. So are there any other major changes to the city code that came out of this meeting? Yeah, they, they changed a couple of different things. One was changing the rules around the removal of campsites. Um, so for established campsites, which are ones that have been there for at least five days, or if they can't determine how long it's been there, they have to provide 20, 72 hours notice before removing a campsite. And that follows the state law that the, they passed last year about that. Um, but if a campsite is not established or there's like a public safety danger or someone's committing a crime, the city says they can remove the camp immediately. And then there's also kind of rules about dealing with personal property and like storing it for later and stuff. Um, and then the city also defines more of the penalties for breaking these laws. So the first and the second violation of this are fines, but then the third violation is going to be a class C misdemeanor, which is up to 30 days in jail or a, a $1,250 fine. But um, according to this, the criminal charges and those fines can be waived by a judge if the person shows that they've meaningfully engaged with a service provider like Aura, which is a homeless services provider here in Ashland. Okay. What did the opponents to the ordinance say about it during the meeting? Yeah. So there were two city council members opposed to it, um, Bob Kaplan and Eric Hansen. They had a few different concerns. The first was that, you know, there's all these different prohibitions throughout the city. There's these buffer zones, but there's also like bans on sidewalks or just parks with playgrounds. So there's kind of like a bunch of different places where you could not sleep. And the city did create a map that shows these buffer zones and where these parks are. And it's helpful a little bit, but it doesn't show everything. I mean, if you look at it, it you know, it would be really hard to figure out where you're actually allowed to stay because you still can only sleep on public property. So you don't know what's private and what's public property. And so it would just make it really hard for someone who's homeless to look at this map and be like, oh, this is exactly where I can sleep. So they first wanted the city to make this map to show people where they can sleep before they end up passing an ordinance like this. And then Eric Hansen, the council member, was also concerned that this ordinance was not developed um, by talking with the city's homeless population or the housing uh, committee in the city. So they didn't get that input. It was just the city and the National Police Department that developed it. Okay. So they're worried about how this ordinance was developed and that it could be confusing for people to figure out where they can go in the city to camp. Yeah. I And I think that, you know, on the other side, the other city council members were kind of they wanted to move really quickly on this. They were worried that kind of stalling it any longer wasn't going to bring any more changes to it. Um, so they wanted to get this passed and get this out of the way so that they can focus on, you know, building more affordable housing and getting these homeless people into permanent housing, which is the ultimate goal. And also the city's police chief, Ty O'Mara, had said that, you know, just because the laws are written this way does not mean they're going to be enforced this way or that they're going to round up every homeless person. He said that, you know, the police have discretion whether or not to cite someone. That's just one tool in their toolbox. I, there's hmm. probably concerns about, like, how the police, you know, use those laws to their discretion. But, you know, that was what he had said. Got it. Um, well, I'm sure there will be more to come on that. Um, definitely a, a very complicated issue. Um, that's going to do it for this final episode of The Debrief for 2023. Thanks, everybody, for putting in the time this year. Um, you can reach our newsroom with comments about our coverage and suggestions for things that we should cover in the future through our news tip line. Uh, you can find that on our website at ijpr.org. You can subscribe to this program at jeffexchange.org or, or 
find it on jeffexchange.org or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't go away. Stay with us for Underground History with host Chelsea Rose and the scientists who catalog some fascinating and often icky artifacts they find in museums.